Okay, guys, welcome back to the Labrador Energy Podcast. Uh, with me, your resident uh, host, Dragos. Today, another cool person reached out to me, and this is Khaled. Is that what you say? That's Khaled. right. Yeah, so as you guys know, I don't really know much about Khaled. We just had like a small chat, and we're going to find out uh, what's, what's cooking with Khaled, yeah? Find out everything. Yeah, so Khaled, tell, tell us a bit more about yourself. So I am ethnically Palestinian, but I wasn't born there. I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia, and I ended up uh, coming to the U.S. completely by accident. I got, uh, I went over for summer camp. Uh, my uncle called my parents one day. He's like, ah, what's your kid doing for summer school or for the summer? And they're like, nothing. Well, great. Bring him up to summer camp. Summer camp turned into summer school a couple of years later. And they pulled me out of class one day. They're like, hey, we really like you. So we'll give you some money. You should come here. So think Dead Poet Society, coat and tie, eat your french fries with a fork and knife. Very proper, all boys school. Ended up going to boarding school there for two years. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college, studied uh, computer science and mathematics, and then worked in Pittsburgh, then went to D.C., and then on a trip in Amsterdam, I was sitting in a bar called Waterhole, and I um, got, my, uh, got my ass handed to me in a game of pool, on the smallest pool table ever, and I sat down, and I got talking to some musicians sitting next to me, and we were watching some live music, and this is a really dark bar, low ceiling, everyone's got a blank look on their face, There's one guy in the bar walking around with a smile on his face and he's shaking everybody's hand. He looks out of place. Think Amish-style blonde uh, helmet haircut, Hawaiian t-shirt, bright yellow, and khaki shorts. At some point, this guy gets up on stage and I'm thinking to myself, what's this guy doing? Like, why isn't anyone kicking him off stage? And he grabs a guitar and I'm like, there's no way in hell this guy's going to be any good. This Amish-looking... Yeah, this Amish-looking guy. And... uh, he starts playing and he just blew my mind. Incredible guitar player, incredible performer. Right then and there, I look at a musician next to me and I'm like, I'm moving to New York to play music for my life. So sure enough, three days later, I'm on a plane back to the US. I call my boss and I'm like, I quit. <laughs> okay, so where were you living in this time? I was living in DC and I moved to DC to start working for a small family company, me, my brother and my cousin. And the mm-hmm. whole idea is we wanted to do our own software startups Mm -hmm. and we tried a few and they didn't work out and while that was fun I'm like my real passion is music and art so um, I decided to move out so I packed all my stuff quit my job and uh, realized very quickly wait hold on New York's really expensive I need some kind of money it is very expensive yeah (laughs) so I kept doing some contracts for uh, programming and Mm -hmm. then I was basically starting to build up uh, my fan base and actually learning how to truly write music because one thing you realize very quickly in New York too is that everyone is really 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 good so after a few years uh, I ended up recording an album there I recorded a few albums there started three bands and then I got sick I got cancer and then my music had to die out for a little while and now no pun intended no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, a year later now we're bringing the band back together and uh, look out for Mock Dharma how's the how's the cancer cancer is one year free there you go man high five there you go so okay so let's uh, let's kind of there's a little lot of stuff packed in there let's try to kind of go uh, go in a bit deeper sure so uh, so your parents were living in Saudi Arabia yeah yeah so originally they were born in uh, my dad was born in Jerusalem Mm mm-hmm and he was born in 1945, and then 1948 happened, and they got the boot, right? Um, they met in Egypt, and I don't remember how they ended up in Saudi, but that's how they ended up in Saudi. I know it had something to do with my mom's dad, right. who worked for, uh, can't even remember right now, but he ended up having to move to Saudi, so they got, they got married in Egypt and moved to Saudi, and that's how I was born. Okay, and then what do your parents do, is what I'm asking? 
my dad was a civil engineer mm-hmm. and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So, but she got involved in like community events and she got uh, involved in like school things and uh, anything with her kids basically. Okay. Now she works in a hospital doing like um, data assistant, data entry, that kind of stuff. Well, are they still in Saudi or? No, my mom's here. My dad's passed away. My brother's in DC actually celebrating his 40th birthday next weekend. Right. What do you mean here in Berlin or? Oh, sorry. Uh, in DC. DC. Okay. Um, my, I keep forgetting where I am. <laughs> Uh, my mom's in Pittsburgh and my sister's in Pittsburgh. Okay, so you had like a bit of, uh, so you had some connection because again, you know, uh, going to the U.S. and kind of being able to establish yourself there. Again, you moved there when, is it 19 something? I like was uh, 1999. I, I was okay. 16 when I moved. Gotcha, okay. So yeah. this is pre-like Islamophobia, yeah, 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 pre-like yeah. 9-11 kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So funny enough, when the day 9-11 happened, I was going to the, uh, I was going to get stuff done for my green card. Like the, um, it's called the INS building. Right. And we park, we go to park our car and this guy says, he's like, it's funny, everyone's trying to leave the city, but you guys are still here. Mm-hmm. Or you're trying to get in. So we're like, okay, I don't know what that means. And everyone's outside, everyone's looking up. Then we walk into the building and the guy's like, where are you going? He's like, we're evacuating. We're like, why? He's like, didn't you watch the news? We have no idea what's going on. Right, right, we get right. back in the car. The drive to this building from the university is five minutes. It took us an hour to get back up there. And then we see everyone out on campus. We see all the TVs out. Five minutes later, we see the buildings come down. You actually saw the buildings come out? Yeah. Holy shit. It's intense. Oh, this isn't in New York. We saw it on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, what I wanted to ask, so, okay, so pretty, okay, that, that explains, like, why it was slightly easier. But you said you got a scholarship from the school? Yeah, so it's a private school. Right. And uh, so private school, as you can imagine, quite expensive. Right. So, um, you know, we weren't a well-to-do family. My uncle, mm-hmm. he was a heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. So he was able to help financially a little bit, so... But the way they can persuade my parents, mm-hmm. and of course, just bring in anyone new, mm-hmm. is, hey, we'll give you a scholarship to come here. Um, I don't know. So this is uh, like a merit scholarship, or is it like a, well, how did you get the- Yeah, acad- just, academic scholarship. Okay, so yeah. you were pretty good at like what you were doing there. I was, I was an okay kid. I paid it. Okay. As much as I'm ADHD, I somehow managed. <laughs> okay, okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. I'm just trying to figure out exactly how these things work, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those- uh, you know, one in a one in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's not uh, every day that you get offered. You know, all these kind of like things that come together. And of course, that's one. Obviously, you also were, were smart and using a merit-based one. Okay, cool. Uh, so you lived in the U.S. for a bit of time. Yeah. How was that? Did you did you speak English fluently at the time? Or yeah, my my best friends growing up, their mom was American. Mm-hmm. So I met these I met these guys when I was three years old. They're right. Like their family, basically right. to us. And I uh, just picked up English very quickly. You know, when you're when you're a baby, you mm-hmm. pretty much pick up anything. You're a sponge. That plus the um, we're listening to a lot of American music through them as well. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I picked it up. I'm really good with sound. So even like when people tell me their names in different languages, I can usually say it pretty well. So I picked up English really quick. Never really had an issue with it. Mm-hmm. The only time I get an accent is if I've been drinking. <laughs> right, okay. Or I'm talking to like another Arab, for example. Gotcha. Yeah. So you speak, so you speak what, uh, Arabic, I English? Speak Arabic, English. I studied French for five years right. and now it's all gone. Right, That's, I studied for <laughs> eight years, also all gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no one practice with. What are you yeah, going to do? Yeah, what are you, you going to do, right? Yeah. You know, the only French stuff that I do is French kissing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, comedy, am I right? <laughs> so you, and you live in New York now, yeah? I live in New York. I live okay. in... Uh, Started in Hoboken, New Jersey, then went to Astoria, Queens, and now I'm in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And how many how many years has that been now? So I think I moved in 2008. We're 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's okay, been a 2008. While. All right. So like in the middle of the financial crisis. That's. Uh, uh, yeah. 
So yeah. then you started working as an engineer at the time when you moved out? I was a software engineer. I was doing contracts, basically. Any, mm-hmm. any quick thing I could pick up through my cousin. Then I'm right. like, oh, this is like a six-month contract. I can work on my own hours. Because right. when you're doing music, you're out late at night to find, whether it's an open mic or you've yeah. already booked your own gig. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to find anywhere to play as often as you can. And that, of course, turns into a lot of drinking. So sometimes you're just hungover in the morning. You're right, not going right. to start work. I didn't start my day until 11 a.m. Right. Now, I start my day at like 6, 7 a.m. Okay. Go to the gym, go to work, and then do all my music stuff at night. So. And what, what do you play? I play guitar and I sing. Okay, guitar and sing. So vocals as well. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And uh, all right, let's kind of unpack that a bit. Uh, so how old were you when you moved to New York? Let's see. Uh, 2008. I was born in 1983, so I want to say like, what is that, 24, 25? Okay. Uh, so I just want to kind of understand a bit more about the the transition. So, for example, were you doing a lot of music stuff before, or you know, you moved to New York when you were like 20, 20, 23, 24? Yeah. Uh, how what was your kind of interaction with music before that? So I had a guitar, and again, mm-hmm. I picked up the guitar from my best friend, who right. these guys that we grew up with, mm-hmm. the Jarads. And uh, like he, it was the first time he got his guitar on Christmas, and I'm like, ooh. Mm-hmm. And then he started playing Nirvana, and it was mm-hmm. the first time I heard music not out of a speaker. And I was fascinated. I'm like, I begged my parents for a guitar for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And of course, they said the typical thing, get good grades, we'll get you a guitar. I got amazing grades. <laughs> I got my guitar. There you go. So I, uh, I, you know, I learned cover songs. I was self-taught. And uh, eventually, I actually dropped it. I didn't even play guitar for a year or two. And then... I would attempt writing music. Like as soon as I picked up a guitar, I always attempted writing my own thing. Mm-hmm. And the philosophy was, or the method was, just put your fingers in random places, and as long as it sounds good, it works out. Um, I learned some chords. You know, you look up some of the basics. Mm-hmm. But when I was in DC at that time, like um, I didn't have a band. I would just you know write whatever music I can, right. and just go out and play it at open mics. And I saw people responding. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I actually have a shot. The one thing I couldn't do very well is sing. Right. How did you fix that? <laughs> yeah, did that actually, <laughs> I did go to, I did vocal lessons and that I, I fixed. I'm still working on it, but right, right. I think overall I've made quite good progress. You can actually, if you go back and listen to my oldest records, I'm definitely singing through my nose. Mm-hmm. If you listen to me now or listen to any, like the last recordings, you're like, oh, this guy's a singer. Okay. So it's nice. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so then that, that was like your internal compass pointing into that direction? Yeah. Yeah, I always knew music was, uh, I mean, I remember sitting with my dad's little, like, talking about the size of, like, two coffee mugs, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a little red cassette player, and I would put in my favorite cassettes Mm -hmm. with the lyric book and just listen to it hours on end, and, like, I just knew that's what I wanted, and I always leaned towards, like, darker-sounding music, Mm -hmm. so I grew up on a lot of uh, hard rock and heavy metal, like, bands like Nirvana, Metallica, things like that. Now, I remember the first time I heard Tool. The second I put on lateralis and that machine sound starts, I knew I was in for a ride. And like the second the music started, my life changed forever. Okay. So let's kind of explore also the second part. So you were also a software engineer, right? Yeah. Uh, how did that kind of come, come into play? So you went to study for, you studied computer science? I studied computer science right. and math. And that fascination started from a movie called Hackers. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what, what year this came out, but Angela Jolie was one of the actresses in it. Basically, right. it's a story about hackers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, this is cool and dangerous. It sounds fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, computers were just starting up at that time. You you were able to get a desktop at your, your house. And all we really did was play solitaire on it. But I was like, oh, you know, I can try to do some visual basic mm-hmm. or whatever. And then from everything, the research that I did when my parents asked me, what do you want to do? I'm like, damn, this sounds like fun. Right. You know, I think this is something I can do. Like, I have to go to school. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll do this. And actually, at some point during school, I'm like, nah, I don't want to code anymore. I wanted mm-hmm. to do like psychology or just right, music. Right, right. And they're like, there's no money in that. Just keep doing this. Trust us. Mm-hmm. 
I stuck around with it. I've learned a lot. I built a lot of cool software. I eventually said, you know, I don't really want to code anymore. So now I do project management actually. Right. So, um, but you know, I still have the technical knowledge to be able to speak to anyone in that field. Right, right, right. So uh, you basically just find project management gigs, or now I work full time for a company. Oh, okay, gotcha. But, but I have the flexibility because of what I do and uh, my performance. Right. I'm able to get a, as flexible as I want there. What kind of uh, what kind of stuff does the company do? You don't have to say the names. You don't want to. Uh, e-commerce websites. E-commerce websites. Okay. Yeah. Well, and what kind of stuff do they sell? They just they just infrastructure for people. We build work. other people's stuff. Yeah. So basically, okay. people come up to us. They're like, okay, we need our web presence. Mm-hmm. So we do everything from the strategy to the design to the build and the maintenance. So we tell them, okay, you know, if you guys want to start selling what kind of product on your site, mm-hmm. here's how we should build it, so on and so forth. Okay. Okay, makes sense. And you have a bit of flexibility in doing that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right, so now you're you're in New York, you're doing these projects, uh, and you're also doing music. I'm also doing music. Let's talk about that because what I want to talk about is like again, uh, and I think there's a lot of crossover between comedy and music as well. And I think New York is a good place to kind of do both, right? Absolutely. Uh, how do you get uh, you, you how do you get better at it? How do you get to the open mics? How do you network? It's because it's a whole lot of stuff. Right? Yeah. So New York is huge. Yeah. And there's a lot going on at any given time. Uh, the one thing that you always have to do is be humble. Because mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone faster and better than you. And just straight up better than you. Mm-hmm. The second thing you have to do is practice, practice, practice. And if you think you're done, practice some more. Uh, and then get online. Talk to people. Always talk to people about what you're doing. Let them know what the next thing you're up to is. And then ask them where they go. Go to their shows. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you build a community. And where community really matters is support. You are all people who love the same thing. Mm-hmm. So go enjoy it together. You can't just put on your own shows and expect people to come if you don't go to their shows. It has to be a back and forth. So you look online. There are websites dedicated to open mic. Like there's openmic.org and then there's nyc.openmic and all kinds of websites. Mm-hmm. And then as far as gigs go, sometimes these places that you go play, if they like you, they offer you a gig. And then from there, you just meet more people because there's always people in the business or in the industry at these shows. So they'll see you, they'll offer you a gig and you eventually build up a name and you start playing more and more places. And then all of a sudden that one club that you've been dying to play and you can't get mm-hmm. a booking spot because they've rejected you 10 times, all of a sudden reaches out to you and say, hey, We'll have you now. Right. <laughs> so like the news travels, just people basically just have to put the stuff out there. Right. I, there was a quote that stuck to me from Steve Martin. He said, I'm going to paraphrase, mm-hmm. be so good that they can't ignore you. Right. Right. I think uh, that's it's quite common in the startups yeah. world as well, right? And I think that's the kind of case with, uh, with what I'm trying to do comedy as well, right? Uh, okay. So let's kind of... Uh, what are uh, what are the uh, what are the open mics you usually play? Where do you go? How much do you spend? Uh, you used to go one open mic at night, or how how active is your? Yeah, so it depends. I mean, I don't do as many open mics now right. because I've kind of established myself in the scene. But Perfect. Let's let's kind of go for that journey and sure. kind of how do you get there? So at first, you will find out very quickly that the open mics start from Sunday all the way to Thursday. Mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, not really going to happen. Not much going on. And Monday and Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are big nights. And there's mm-hmm. typically a billion open mics happening. They're going to happen between the West Village, the East Village, and the Lower East Side. Uh, Brooklyn has a lot too, but at the time it was kind of a hike for me. I didn't go as much. Mm-hmm. I can go to a few now. The format works. That sometimes you have to go in. It's like a two drink minimum. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these things are free. Sometimes you pay. You so just the two drink minimum means you need to consume two drinks to get on. To to be in the bar. To be in the bar. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's essentially their entry fee. Like, you can't right. just come drink water and hang out and play your music and leave. Right. And the other thing they always tell you is, like, don't just play and leave. 
So the way they enforce that is they do a random drawing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do first come first serve, like you sign up on the list when you come. But most of the time it's, hey, uh, we're gonna just draw names and we'll see how it goes. Um, depending on the open mic and how big their list is, how mm -hmm. long they're willing to go, dictates how long the night's gonna be. There was one open mic that started at like eight and went till two. Mm -hmm. I never went to that one again because that's a little too much because I got to go other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you find a spot that's like from six to nine, then you know you can go to that other spot at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if you show up frequently to these things and you start getting to know the host, then you can go up to them like, hey man, I really want to hit this other open mic. So would you mind if I sign up, do a random drawing, give me the time frame, I will be back. But like this one, I know I can go hit really quickly. Mm -hmm. They'll be cool about that. Um, you gotta lug your guitar around. Or yeah, you gotta lug your guitar around. You too. So important point to notice. Yeah, yeah. But hey, good for your uh, good for your muscles. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. good workout. And how do you get get around? Do you have to use the public transportation? Do you Uber Subway or, or walk? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. If you're a musician, you're not making a ton, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely want to walk. Uh, if you have time to kill, put your put your case open, start busking. Why not? Is that is that legal in the states? Is there any issues with that? Busking. Yeah. Uh, typically, they won't let you be amplified unless mm -hmm. you have uh, you have to go get a permit. You can actually apply right. through the city for a permit, and they'll book they'll reserve certain spots that are high traffic spots for right, you. Right. A lot of them are in the subways. Some of them are in Grand Central, and they're in spots where that has good acoustics too. Mm -hmm. um, other times, you can just kind of I've set up in the subway a bunch and just played there. Mm -hmm. uh, the only time they ever gave me a hard time is when I brought an amplifier with me. Right. Okay. And because again, one of the things that I want to highlight to where I was listening is this is a lot of work. Oh yeah, you know this yeah. is like carrying your. That's why that's why I mentioned like you have to carry your guitar walking from place to place. Because yeah. uh, you know the, the, again the reason is like why are you going through all this work? Right. Why are you doing all going for all this you know <laughs> hard times? Right. Yeah. Don't expect uh, you have to struggle for your art. Don't expect. Don't play with the. Uh, don't expect anything. You <clears throat> give. You're supposed to give and expect nothing. And I was just reminded of this because I, just, I before Berlin, I was in Portugal. Mm -hmm. I was in Porto and I saw this musician who's busking. He was incredible, man. And I started thinking about like what he's doing, super technical. Mm -hmm. And I saw how into it he is. When you're practicing this stuff and you finally get it and you're able to do it on command, like the place in your mind that you go to mm -hmm. is a, it's like a flow state. You don't mm -hmm. think about anything else, you know? And then all of a sudden this guy finishes his music and he looks up and you see this big smile on his face because he knows he just did a good job. Mm -hmm. But then out in the world, there's no one else. No one else is watching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Get a little emotional on this one. No, no, that's fine. But like, you put in a lot of hard work and not everyone's going to appreciate it. Right. So remember that you can do it for yourself. And no one's there for you. Nobody owes you anything. Mm -hmm. You just do what you do out of love. Mm -hmm. And when you're carrying around your guitar, you're carrying around your your promo material, your CDs, your signs, remember that you're doing this to show the world what you can do and why you do it. Mm. Okay. And so basically you said you've kind of, you know, obviously you've done this for a couple of years. You put in your dues, like just running around every night, doing all that kind of stuff. Where did stuff start picking up? Oh, man. I think the turning point was when I actually got a live band. Right. So what How many years... Uh, in New York was this I think this was like two or three years in okay and uh, I I recorded one album and I got a recommendation to go master it at a certain studio mm -hmm. and from that studio I met some people who are now like still my friends actually lifelong friends mm -hmm. and uh, I ended up recording my next album there mm -hmm. and met the bass player of my band Gil in that studio because he was working there mm -hmm. And so through the, he, he heard what I was doing. He's like, oh, this is pretty interesting. This is cool. Let's do something mm -hmm. together. And he introduced me to his drummer, Dre. 
and uh, they've been friends from childhood. They're from Queens. And uh, we're like, all right, cool. We, we have a vibe going. Let's try something. So at first, they were just playing the music that I recorded, and we just gave it our own little twist. We went on tour in the U.S., and that was very cool. How many, guys, how many cities did you guys do, or what was, the, what was on tour mean? Uh, so we booked um, 15 shows or so over 13 days, mm -hmm. or 30 days, mm -hmm. uh, somewhere along there. Right. Um, and sometimes it's like a show back-to-back, -back. Mm -hmm. and we did from New York down to Virginia over to Kentucky, mm -hmm. Nashville. We did New Hampshire, Rhode Island, things like that. No, not New Hampshire, Rhode Island and uh, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Went through Ohio, back through Pennsylvania, D.C. We, we did a nice run. I want to say it was like maybe even 18 shows. Mm-hmm. And there was four of us. We got a van, and uh, our fourth is Pony. I can't go without saying his name. And then uh, we did that. It went really well. We broke even, which is super rare. Super rare. And uh, we played one. Sh our best show, we played to one person. Right. Perfect. <laughs> our worst show, we played to, like, everyone. How, uh, how did you guys set up the show? Did you guys set up by yourselves? Did you have any Yeah, actually, so I started, I, I booked the tour myself. Because right. it's, again, these guys were coming to support me. Yeah. Uh, and it was our gateway to actually do our own thing. Right. So I took on the full responsibility of doing it. And the way it worked was, okay, I'm going to plan my route. And for each one of these cities, I'm going to look up the venue mm -hmm. and I'm going to find the bands that frequent it. And I'm going to reach out to them and see if they want to partner on a show. Mm -hmm. And basically the the gig would be like, hey, we'll exchange a show with you guys in New York if you guys give us the show. Right. Um, but also make sure that the venue you're booking likes, like they play that kind of music. So right, you right. can't go to a blues venue and they're going to play hard rock. Right. Um, so that went on for like 30, 40 days. And, uh, so you just kind of Googled? I just Googled venues. I went to Bandcamp. I found bands and just reached out, wrote a million emails. For every like 10 emails I wrote, even 20, I got one answer. Perfect. So you just do this over yeah. and over and over again. And eventually you start seeing your route. And it sucks when like you can't get the dates and the venues and the bands you want because you don't want to backtrack. You want to stay on a food. exactly what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, right. I just it's... confirmed like Norway and Stockholm for some shows. But then like Helsinki is like two weeks apart. And I'm like, fuck, what do I do for <laughs> Do I fly back to Berlin for the right. two weeks? Do I just hang around there in a hostel? <laughs> so how is it with like with music? At least you can now. There's a big thing where you can book ho private house concerts. Right. Can't imagine with comedy you can do that. That'd be awesome if you could. No, you gotta do. Basically, I found my my kind of secret has been Irish bars. Oh, nice. Irish bars. They Good usually call. have like a PA. They have a microphone. They mm. have like a relatively large. They they can they can sit up to like 50 to 70 people in the room. Nice. Uh, and there's like so many of them everywhere, right? And they end up being uh, a bit of a, a expat hotspot as well. And then obviously expats speak English, you know, speak the local language, and it helps kind of. And the other place where I'm doing now, for example, I just confirmed with Stockholm, with Oslo, I'm doing it at the Hard Rock Cafe there. Oh, nice! That's huge. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's also pretty good uh, in terms of. Um, and again, how you get exposure? Why? Because even with these places, like, what the fuck should you care about? You? You're like right. some random Romanian exactly. comedian. What the fuck. Yeah. So anyway, what I ended up doing is like what I was doing shows here, every time somebody would come up to me after a show and be like, hey man, I really like your comedy, but you know, if you really mean that, could you give me a review on my Facebook? Because it really helps me a lot. Yeah. And then I managed to get like some good amount of reviews and then afterwards I'd ask people for reviews at the end of the, uh, the shows where I would do them, then I'd go review my show on Facebook and now I have like about 240 reviews. Nice. So then it should, people are like, oh, okay, this guy's legit, right? Yeah. You're not just a random you know, pleb. You know? Right, right. Because <laughs> uh, that's the thing is like, why should people care, right? Right. You have yeah. to find some kind of way to give yourself that, uh, uh, what's the word? Clout. Yeah. Yeah. So then a lot of times people care because other people have, have kind of given them a, a sign of approval. Uh, so I, know I did, a, I did a couple of uh, did some reading before, and I read a couple of books on psychology and stuff. And I was like, okay, I need to get social proof somehow. So that's why I really doubled down on asking for reviews. 
Uh, and that really helped. And then actually, you know, when people and then I run my own ads, own ads for Facebook on Facebook for my show, and then people see that other people liked it, and they're like, oh, okay, let's see what happens. Yeah. So that was the thing. But I'm, again, there's no because there's not a lot of agents in Europe trying to book Romanian comedians doing comedy in English. Right. <laughs> right. It's not quite the uh, the money making business. Right, right, right. You're not pigeonholed in anything here. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. So, anyways, there's no other option but to do it yourself, right? Right. So that's why I'm asking like all these questions about carrying the. Uh, the, the guitar because all these things you know they're your reality you know all right uh, even with busking we can just set up anywhere and technically start playing in yeah. comedy it's kind of if you just stop and start talking this is what I wanted to ask like a lot of times do people are you just like the background music in a bar when you start or it depends on the gig so there are times where I'm just purely background music right. and I already know what I'm gonna play right. I design my set list to be the same way uh, other times it's a night booked for me people are right. coming to listen of course, there's always going to be a, a, a night that you book where people are just not going to listen because they're there to drink and they yeah. don't really care about yeah. you. Um, so the one way I figured out to get good at that is busking mm. because it's different when people pay money to come see you when you mm. told them where you're going to play versus right. you try to make a person walking down the street stop mm -hmm. to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Not just that. If they give you money or buy your CD, even better, right? Even better, yeah. So it's the ultimate validation. Right? Yeah, I learned that in Ireland. I I played at an Irish bar in Hoboken. Mm -hmm. This place called Northern Soul. Right. Great bar. They shut down and they opened up a new spot now. But anyway, the owner was Irish, and he's like, "You should go busk in Ireland." And mm -hmm. I'm like, "You know, I think I will." <laughs> so I went to Dublin and Galway. And Galway's beautiful, mm -hmm. and uh, it was really very cool. They they're very supportive of it, and uh, I. I learned a lot. Okay. Yeah, you get much better as a performer in general. Just just by busking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit more difficult with comedy because like uh, again, you can't really be background noise to people walking on the street. I mean, again, <laughs> the, the, maybe yeah. I maybe I'm dismissing it too early because I haven't heard Dave Chappelle do it in like Central Park right? <laughs> before. So you know, maybe you later know. on start doing that. Hey guys, yeah, what's the deal with potatoes? Am I right? Right. <laughs> yeah, one potato, two potatoes. It's got to be like a shock value thing too, but people are gonna get offended, you know. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, uh, okay, so cool. So we're you kind of doing the tour around uh, and getting a bit more clout, yeah. Yeah. So is this again going outside of New York? Is this helping you get coming back at completing the tour? Is that helping you give more clout to New York now? Oh, absolutely. So when you should, I mean, when you send out your press your press kits to people. You have a record of what you've done that they mm -hmm. see you're working hard and you're going out and you're doing your thing and you understand what it means to be a working musician mm -hmm. uh, then they say okay these people are serious mm -hmm. uh, let's we'll give them a shot they're gonna work to get people in the door so when you say press kit like let's talk a bit about that what's a press kit so press kit is uh, essentially a very quick packet that you give to someone that they can learn everything there is to know about you in like a glance essentially mm -hmm. So it'll consist of a one-pager, maybe some uh, picture or two, like a press photo, uh, some quick facts mm -hmm. about you. So, for example, if you sold twenty thousand CDs, you should probably sell. You should probably say that, you know. Right. So like a CV of sorts. Exactly. It's just like a resume. Right. Uh, maybe a couple of uh, review quotes, like, "Oh, these guys are the best ever," you know. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, much more. Uh, they give you much more clout if it's from a publication right. and a reputable one. So yeah, that's it. Um, list of shows. You're like, let's say, like your last five to ten shows. Right and uh, how many people you think you can draw in the area mm -hmm. and how you know that. So mm -hmm. now we have analytics, Spotify gives it to you, every website gives it to you. So that these are also tools that help you this book. people listening to your stuff on Spotify. Right. Do you so guys have like a Spotify profile? We do. What's the band called? Mach Dharma, M-A-C-H-D-H-A-R-M-A. -H -H Let me check it out. Oh, I've got my uh, Spotify listed to my phone. Okay, Mach Dharma, guys, did you hear that? Mach. Dharma, D is D H A. Okay, cool. 
and boom there you go I'm gonna listen to this afterwards you're rocking let's follow uh, by the way you can also follow this podcast on Spotify the yeah. Labrador Energy Podcast yeah this podcast is sponsored by this podcast <laughs> <laughs> hit the like button and subscribe and follow go to the all social media hey, follow me on Skype yeah leave a review exactly or two <laughs> exactly okay so now you're getting more gigs in, the, in New York because of this yes so I mean like I said it's been a year since we played mm-hmm. uh, so now we're getting back in the studio we're mm-hmm. working on new material we're relearning our set list and uh, hopefully soon we're going to go back out and start playing let's, shows let's again. talk about the, the, the break so you had cancer yeah the cancer. big C the big C which kind of cancer was it I had Hodgkin's lymphoma I don't know what that is. So lymph- the, uh, your lymph nodes are where regulate your immune system. Mm-hmm. It's a very rare cancer. Apparently, it happens mostly in the Western, Western world. I think right. there's like a thousand some cases a year only compared to all the other cancers. Right. Talk about a first world problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent puns. Dad jokes are my favorite. There you go. Okay. Uh, so anyway, the... Um, you know, we were recording the album mm-hmm. when I found out. Mm-hmm. And there was one last song to record right. too before when I found out the news. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, what are we going to do about this? And for me, I'm like, all right, I'm a stubborn mofo. Let's mm-hmm. just, we're just going to do everything. You know, right. we're going to play our shows and we're going to put out the CD and do right. our thing. Um, but, you know, chemo takes a toll. Definitely right. how, did you, how did you find out? So with uh, lymphoma, you get, um, first of all, you're going to be really, really tired right. all the time. Right. Fatigue. Right. And then my shins started itching me nonstop. I just, your shins? My shins, yeah, like the, for the front of your leg right here. Okay. Just couldn't stop itching. Wait, where, where are the lymph nodes? Uh, lymph nodes all over your body. Okay. And then um, then I started night sweats. And I'm not talking about like you wake up and you're a little sweaty. I'm right. talking about like your bed is soaked, like buckets. Right. And it just kept happening. Right. And then finally I got a lump in my neck. Okay. And at first, actually, I thought it was from climbing because right. I, I go bouldering. Right. Um, and then just one night I was out, uh, I was, I was whitewater rafting with two friends of mine, Tommy and Brian. And, uh, I woke up the next day exhausted and they look at me like, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm just really tired. Like, no, no, you were making like painful noises in your sleep. Right, are, you, right. are you all right? And I had sweat that night. Right. I was like, yeah, man, I just keep like waking up with these sweats. I don't understand what's going on. They're like, you should go see a doctor. Right. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I will. So... I uh, I made the appointment right then and there, and I go mm-hmm. see the doctor the next day, and he's this <laughs> jolly Indian man. He's always smiling. He's always happy. And as I'm telling him these things, and I'm just not thinking about it, you know, right. I'm thinking like I've just been partying too much. I'm stressed. Right, I don't know right. what. And then I just see his face turn from that jolly smile very slowly into this frown. And he's like, "No, no, no, this is serious." <laughs> I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" He says, "Hodgkins." That's all he says. Right. And I don't know what that is. I'm like, right. "Okay." All right, we'll see what happens. Then we go into his office, and as he's doing whatever he's doing, I look up Hodgkins, and I'm like, "Oh, fuck the fuck, fuck!" And it just didn't hit me, right? You know, um, but it, I'm thankful for all mm-hmm. of it. You know, I I did the treatments and all that. I'm thankful because it teaches you very quickly that you should appreciate what you have, mm-hmm. don't dread what you don't have, mm-hmm. and uh, just build joy into your life. Mr. Holder, you know. I'm going to be 36 next month. Congratulations. Thank you. And you found out this, what, two years ago? Or I was diagnosed in 2017. Right. Right? Yeah. So I did six months of chemo in 2017. Mm-hmm. Then I relapsed. And then I did uh, three, two, two other chemo treatments. Mm-hmm. And then we did a autologous or autologous mm-hmm. stem cell transplant, which mm-hmm. means that they just pull a stem. They take your blood. They mm-hmm. separate it. Mm-hmm. They save your stem cells. Mm-hmm. And then they give you such high dose chemo that it kills everything in your body. Mm-hmm. 
and then they have to rescue you with your own stem cells. And stem cells are basically they're, they're cells that haven't formed into white or red blood right, cells. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the first time around, I, I worked every day. I didn't right. take a day off. Right. I even like would be working while I'm getting chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, I played two shows. And with this that. was on the U.S. insurance because I'm not in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was luckily I, I had my job and right. that was all taken care of. Right. Well, not all of it taken care of, but it was it helped. Yeah. And then I relapsed, and then this one, they're like, okay, you can't work all the way through it. We're gonna do two full weekends of chemo, mm-hmm. and then for the next one, you have to come into the hospital. Here's one quick side note to that. It was actually supposed to be three full weekends of mm-hmm. chemo, but what happened was I took a trip to Costa Rica, went whitewater rafting again, and uh, our boat, our raft, tipped over, and while I was trying to keep myself on the raft, I've never fallen out, <laughs> I uh, thought I pulled a muscle. Right. And I was in a pain, but I'm like, ah, I can walk and do my thing. Right. When I go back and they scan me, they're getting me ready to go in. They're like, you're back up to stage four now. It's either because they see a spot in the bone. So stage four means that it's in your bones now. And right. That's bad news. Right. They're like, we see this spot right here. It's either that or you fractured your rib. I'm like, I fractured my rib in Costa Rica. Right. Okay. <laughs> wow, that would have been scary yeah, right? shit, right? But they essentially fast-tracked me into this other treatment and they made it, uh, you know, it was a lot faster, a lot more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up three weeks in the hospital and then three months recovery at home and man I'm thankful that the World Cup was on because I watched every game <laughs> and that kept me busy <laughs> damn man it must have been pretty scary right yeah it was uh, it's it's definitely scary and if you think about it in a, like mm-hmm. I've always thought okay life is a, life is tragic mm-hmm. but I lived a good life mm-hmm. uh, I was fortunate to have a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. you know I got to go to a good school I got to get these scholarships. I've gotten to travel. I've loved and lost, but I lived a good life. So if this was it, I was okay with it. I've right. said everything I've wanted to say, uh, no regrets. I just want to build joy into my life. So now it's even more so. Money isn't everything. Mm-hmm. Work hard, have fun, and don't get stuck on anything. Just keep moving forward because that's the only way that you'll ever feel movement like mm. if you're not doing that then you're blocked and you're stuck and you're not going anywhere you're not doing anything right, right. so what kind of life is that <laughs> you know so anytime if i feel growing, you're dying. yeah exactly so if you're not yeah what's the point right and uh, so i just try to keep moving right. no matter what okay so now back you guys are back in the studio you're doing more stuff yeah now we're back in the studio we're working on some tunes and we're relearning the set list try to go back out there uh, I also do other like music on the side mm-hmm. too. So I have like this hard rock band. It's very like loud and you know energetic. Right. But as a musician, you got to do a lot more than that. So I play like a bunch of other music. I do like some Spanish, Middle Eastern, but some kind of oldies, bluesy, happy pop mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm working on another album for that to put that out soon as well. So how do, let's talk about like uh, I mean similar sort of issues that comedians and like musicians have. How do you build a fan base? How do you get exposure? How do you progress in the career of the artist yeah so it's very different now than it was 10 years ago right so now it's all about content Mm -hmm. but let's talk about before because before is the basics the basics is practice Practice. (laughs) make sure you put out good quality content and that's your performance at the end of the day your core value is your uh your music as a musician right. right your value add yeah so get good at that learn how to write good songs or just good music however you want to look at it because you can be writing instrumentals with no form and then start playing shows get feedback don't take it personally Mm -hmm. because not everyone likes the same thing and that again nobody owes you anything right don't take it personally just do stay true to yourself but take the feedback so that you can hone your craft not change for people stay true to yourself hone it just Mm -hmm. sculpt it a little bit and then once you start going out 
you know, your friends will support you. They'll come out to your shows, but start taking a mailing list with you or start like print out stickers. They're really right. cheap. Right. Put your website on them, put a logo on them, build a website. It's really fast to do this stuff and all very useful for you to do it mm -hmm. so that people have somewhere to come check out where your next show is and things like that. Eventually, it's a lot of work and it'll take hours and days and months. Mm -hmm. You got to build your social media, all that kind of stuff. We, we haven't been active on social media for a while because mm -hmm. of everything, but... Um, Cancer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so what are you going to do? <laughs> so, uh, you, you, when you go out and play... What I, what I did was, as mm -hmm. soon as I got done playing, mm -hmm. I would pack up my guitar, I would grab my CDs, I'd grab my stickers, and I'd grab my mailing list, and I would go say hi to everyone, mm -hmm. especially the people who I saw out in the crowd who were really paying attention and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I'd go up to them, I'd introduce myself, I'd give them a sticker for free, and I uh, actually made tattoos that mm -hmm. looked like this, because mm -hmm. this was my first band's logo. Right. They were a little smaller, so it was a fun thing to give them, because my music was a little like serious. Mm -hmm. So it was a fun thing to give them, I started tattooing people, it was nice. Oh, is it like the, the, the kind of like just print Stick on, on tattoo, yeah. 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 So uh, we did that, and then I would say, hey, would you, uh, would you like to come see me again? I have a mailing list, I can keep you up to date on the next show, and then they would give me their email, mm -hmm. and then I would you know, tell them, oh, I have CDs, you can, mm -hmm. sometimes I would sell them for five bucks, sometimes I give it out for free and say, pay me what you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in New York, a lot of times, no one's paying you, so you're getting you're playing for tips. Right. So you hope for the best there. Yes. <laughs> have good banter. So the better banter you have, the, the nicer, more, yeah, more tips you get. Yeah, you gotta make people laugh. Funny enough, most musicians want to be comedians, and most comedians want to be musicians. I've heard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing guitar. Yeah. Know? Like sometimes I now that I now that I'm into punk. Right. You know, <laughs> I air guitar on my phone whenever I'm on the train. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, <laughs> I like doing drums personally. You know they have world championships for these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen them. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you can do anything nowadays, right? Yeah. Fucking, I, there's, a, I saw a campaign the other day. They're trying to a lot of Eastern Europeans. They're trying to get. Uh, there's a petition. Two million people have signed it to get the uh, squatting as an Olympic sport. Oh wow! Like Slavic I'd squatting. Love to see that. I would love <laughs> to see an that. Olympic sport. Oh my god! Yeah, there's a niche for everything out there. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Exactly. So. Uh, so that's why, like, for me, in terms of like building an audience, I've noticed that a lot of the jokes that uh, have a bit more of an Eastern European type of uh, ring to them, that's when people come up to me after the show and they're like, "Hey, man, I really enjoy that," you know. So I was like, "Oh shit, maybe I should create more content in this direction." Right. So that's why, for me, like, for example, you know, the options in, in continental Europe, you can only do uh, just in general Europe, English comedy scene is London, right? Mm -hmm. And now Berlin is kind of coming up just because it's such a cosmopolitan city. Mm -hmm. But for me, the idea was like, you know, there's these people that are coming up and say they like that they're not from the UK, they're from, you know, Slovakia, Slovenia, Serbia, wow. Bosnia. Yeah. And all right, I'm going to do some stuff for these guys. Right, right. So then I went into the show like in Belgrade, and one in Macedonia, and then people came out and they were like, oh, that, you, that, yeah, it's Romania and Serbia, not that different. We are also sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> yeah. We're also sad people. Let's all like enjoy our yeah, thing yeah, together. The commiseration. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an important thing, though, right? It's like when you go out there, you're essentially testing material. Yeah. Right. And through testing, you see people's reaction. And that's how you hone your stuff. So exactly. that's another important thing with music. But also, when you start getting into the social media game, how you start testing your stuff, right? Yeah. You do it in little batches, and you see what works. And if that works, you can push that one piece of content out a little more or start building more like I'm, I'm trying to do uh, I'm, starting, I'm starting to do like uh, I have a bit of a following on Instagram I'm starting to do uh, Instagram polls 
Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So. Yes, no. Yes, no. And people, like, people actually quite engaged with it. Yeah. People are not shy about giving feedback, yeah. especially when it's anonymous. So, so it's pretty good, the best kind of connection to people that kind of recurringly watch my stories on Instagram or like comment are the ones that have come to the show. Right. Or have done the shows in different regions and they're like, you know, it's, they have like a stronger connection and they have, let's say, they, to some degree more invested in your success. Right. And those are, those are the people who you should also be invested with them for two mm-hmm. reasons. If you can get a thousand loyal fans mm-hmm. over... This is I mean, Kevin, Kevin Kelly. Thousand loyal true fans. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, not that I'm saying I have even a thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you see it, even with a smaller group, because they care about you, mm-hmm. but also they care about the same thing you care about. Yeah, yeah. You guys have love for the same thing, so yeah. these people can be your friends. You know. Yeah. So I think that's an important thing to focus on. So that's why that's why you know I, I I'm trying to kind of build in that direction and you know doing targeting all these areas. They're not service, right? Right. By the uh, by the comedy. So we'll see how it goes. And so you, how long are you going to be in Berlin for now? I am leaving tomorrow at 9 a.m. It's oh, going to so be uh, a... <laughs> really good to catch you in the first, last day, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, to, we had a miss, guys. Yeah, we yeah, we yeah. missed the, la- the original appointment. But yeah, I came here uh, Thursday midnight mm-hmm. and uh, actually got to do some sightseeing today. So this was just what, touristic visit? Or? Yeah, touristic visit. Cool. And then you're back to... Uh, wait, you came from Porto or...? Yeah, so I did Portugal. I came... So this trip was Spain to see a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And then Portugal did Porto, Dura Valley, Lisbon, Sintra... And then I came down here just for Berlin. Right. Uh, met up with some friends, and now I have a eight-hour layover in Oslo, and then back to New York. Right. Did you get out the clubs or anything here? Yes, we did. Which one did you, which one did you guys go? To? We did uh, about blank. Okay. Perfect. Uh, we did Menschmeier. We did uh, not Caterblau. We did we did uh, Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Okay, yeah. Sisyphus, pretty good. Yeah, it's cool. It's very festival vibe because they have the outdoor, they have the yeah, beach, they have the inside. Yeah, it's a bit out of the way. You gotta take an Uber there. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a nice place. It's it's, it's a good. How does it compare New York Berlin vibe-ish wise? For for when it comes to house music and techno, like it definitely feels dedicated here. Mm-hmm. But in New York, depending on the kind of party you go to, I mean, we have big parties, we have small parties. Because it's New York, we're getting a lot of like the best DJs, mm-hmm. so it's solid. And there's definitely dedicated fans. Um, but here, the way I was trying to describe. Um, Menschmeyer, mm-hmm. I just got in there. I remember getting in the room and I'm like, you know, it's so smoky. That was like my only yeah, yeah, negative review, right? Because right? I, I can't be around that yeah. stuff. But it still felt dark, dangerous, and sexy. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it better than that. Right, right, right. And it was just, it was hard hitting the whole time. So that was cool. Uh, we also got rejected from Bergheim, which of course is an honor. Classic, yeah. Yeah, man. And the way they did it, I'll never forget it. <laughs> what did it say? He just, so I'm, I'm an idiot. No one prepped me for this, right? We just knew that you have to go one at a time. Mm-hmm. And I walk up, no one told me not to say anything, don't even smile. I walk up and I say, hello, good morning, one please. <laughs> yeah, that way, one there. <laughs> so the guy turns, and these guys look like badasses, right? He turns to his buddy, he says something, he's like, nah, not today. <laughs> so I was like, oh, all right, That's see you later. The same thing, first time, I, first time I went there, I was like, hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, they don't like friendly people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's why the whole joke about like the Labrador energy is like, you know, I have Labrador energy and I got to tone it down from Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Berlin has like Doberman energy, you know, yeah. skinny black with a fanny pack. <laughs> you might have yeah. noticed the fanny packs here. Serious cold faces too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a good scene. I will definitely have to make the trip back to make it into Bergen. Perfect, man. I think we're kind of coming in at like almost 45 minutes. Oh, wow. The, the, but it was generally a very good chat. Happy to hear that you know things are progressing. You know, got over all the that little cancer sidestep yeah, yeah. there, and uh, I really think you shared some really valuable kind of insight on just the artist uh, journey and struggle, right? 
if I'm going to try to hit you up if I come to New York, man, I'm, I'm absolutely please. Some, uh, some show potentially in that direction. For now, I'm focusing more on Europe, but definitely, you know, New York is in my is in my crosshair. We got a lot of open mic scenes too. Yeah, you, so. you can check them out quite a lot. Or? Yeah, I'm, I love comedy too. I I'm attempting to write my own jokes on the side because, like I said, mm-hmm. every musician wants to be a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, we have a lot of open mics, a lot of different places you can book too, and I, I happen to know a few people too. Perfect, man. So. I'll, I'll, if you want to do a comedy show, I'll give you some recommendations. Yeah. There's a couple of free ones going around. Okay. Uh, but I think we can wrap it out here for now. Rocking. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Thank you so much for talking to me. No, man. Thanks a lot. I'm happy we, we ended up doing it again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's uh, do a round two when I'm in New York. Sounds good. Perfect. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey, this is uh, Dragosh. I want to let you know that you can sign up for my mailing list in order to get updates from me at dragoshcomedy.com. Just go there, put your name, your email, and I'll send you updates whenever I'm up to new podcasts, new shows, or in, in your area. You can also find me on Instagram at Dragosh Comedy or Facebook Dragosh Christian Comedy. Thanks a lot and uh, catch you guys in the next podcast.